a reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. Hear these words. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb, bringing the fragrant spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming bright clothing. The women were frightened and bowed their faces toward the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but he has been raised. Remember what he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the human one must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. Then they remembered his words. When they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Girl power. Their words struck the apostles as nonsense, and they didn't believe the women. But Peter ran to the tomb. When he bent over to look inside, he saw only the linen cloth. Then he returned home, wondering what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you were to get in your car, and drive south on 35 East from Dallas, after about 25 miles, you would get to the city of Waxahachie, where most of my family lives. And if you keep going just a few more miles south, you would hit, on the east side of the highway, a town called Forreston. If you were to exit the highway for Forreston, you might drive through the town where you would pass a house on your right that used to be a train depot. It was my great-grandmother's house growing up. From there, if you take three turns and a few dirt roads, you may eventually end up at the Forreston Cemetery. It's a special place to my family. Sharing that a cemetery is special may little morbid or strange, but it is special. A lot of my family is buried there. My grandparents' farm is just a mile or so away. For me, the Forreston Cemetery represents generations of memories and lives and legacies. It's a cemetery full of headstones that symbolize more than simply where buried. They symbolize a life and a story within. Jesus' tomb was a symbol of his death. It symbolized a life lived and a story within the walls. And yet the thing we know about headstones and tombs, that they represent a life no longer with us. 
They represent the end of something. These women we read about, they had been by Jesus' side since the 8th chapter of Luke. They were not new here. They had been around since the beginning. And they go to the tomb expecting a body. They expect a death that they know to be inside. We know expectation. Like when you're at home and you turn on the faucet and you know exactly what to expect out of it. Or the sound of running steps of a dog or cat coming to greet you as you turn the door to the garage after being away for a long amount of time. We settle into expectations in a way that most of us don't even consciously notice. They're just these assumed truths that we've come to know. The women at the tomb are no strangers to death. They know what is expected of them at this moment. They intend to honor and prepare the body of a loved one, of Jesus. They expect a body. They expect a death they know to be inside. And yet, they arrive at a stone that has already been rolled away, and they step into a tomb that is empty. And in Luke's gospel, that's not even the frightening part. Did you notice? It's only when the two men show up in the bright, shimmery clothes that they start getting scared, <laughs> rightly so. Their expectations are shattered. And then these men tell the women that Jesus isn't there, that he's been raised. They say, don't you remember Jesus told you he would be crucified and then on the third day would rise again. I like to imagine that once these bright, shiny men share that message, the women have an aha moment, an epiphany. Ah, yes, we do remember that promise. The women have come back to their senses. They've got their bearings. They remember the women remember and they believe. They believe that Jesus has been resurrected so fully that they go and proclaim what they've heard to the 11 apostles and to the disciples. And this beautiful, impactful, powerful moment of remembering is met with skepticism and doubt. And yet, the women remember and believe. Their remembrance overshadows any questions or doubts that those disciples might have had. Because this story of resurrection is not a story about skepticism or doubt or fear or confusion. Sure, those are for sure happening in this moment with the people left on earth. But the real story of Jesus is one that overcomes all. It's a resurrection that overcomes all and is for all. Then they remembered his words. On this Easter morning, I want to invite us to take note of the twofold action that the women take once they remember Jesus' words. Their first part of action is the act of proclaiming. They partake in proclamation. 
In Luke's gospel, the women are not told to go share the news. They're not commanded to go forth and tell others. And still, they are so moved in that moment that they go forth from the tomb to share what they've heard with others. When we hear good news, we want to share it. How many times have we eaten at a delicious new restaurant and found ourselves recommending it to everyone we come across? How many times have we got sucked into a new TV show and found ourselves begging all of our family and friends to just watch, try one episode? As humans, when we experience something good for ourselves, we want others to know it too. We want to write beautiful recommendations on Yelp. We want to post about it on social media. We want to call up our loved ones and tell them the good we've seen and heard. We know what it's like to be bubbling up with good news. We know what it's like to need an outlet to share our good with the world. This is where the women find themselves. Now, their good isn't as trivial as a tasty restaurant or a thrilling TV show, though. The women's good is that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He is resurrected. He is alive. They don't even necessarily know what all this resurrection entails, but they know it's good, and it's something that was promised. The first action the women take is proclamation. They want to share the good news. Then they remembered his words. The other parts of the action that the women take after they remember is that they gather with their community. While their good news probably bubbled over to the randos on the street as they ran, they go directly to their community to the people they live and do life with. They go to the 11 apostles. They go to the disciples. This is important for us to take note of because this community that they're running to is a community that's fractured. With Jesus' death, with Peter's denial, with Judas' betrayal, they are a hurting, fractured people. Even when the women come to share this good news, they're immediately doubted. There are a lot of emotions here at play for these first followers of Christ. Even though Jesus predicted his death and told them the time was coming when he would leave them, it probably didn't seem very real until it happened. And then the grief overshadowed all of the things before this community is mourning. They're sad. They're angry. They're confused. It's a community desperate for good. When the women remember Jesus' words, they go forth to proclaim, and they specifically return to their community with good news. These first believers of the resurrected Christ understand what to do with good news. They must proclaim it, and they must draw near to their community. They must bring together their fractured community. In Luke's gospel, 
early on, Jesus teaches that in order to gain eternal life, people must love God and love others. Verse 27, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. In proclaiming the good news to others, in believing that Jesus has indeed risen, the women embody the charge to love their neighbors and to love God. Today, we celebrate our resurrected Christ. We proclaim the women's message that Christ is no longer here. He's resurrected, just like he said he would be. And we come here and acknowledge that we'll have moments like those disciples too. Moments where we are a fractured community. Moments where we doubt God's power in the world. Where we find ourselves skeptical. And still, we will continue to love God and to love others in the face of it all. Because that's the good news of Jesus. Headstones and tombs are supposed to hold memories and legacies. But Jesus continues to shatter expectations long after his death. We know that memories have transformative power. When we remember the resurrection, we don't remember a worn out tale of long ago. We remember the living, breathing presence of God that is still with us today. Christ is risen indeed. Then they remembered his words. May we too remember the promise of Christ and proclaim it to a fractured world as we continue to love God and love others. I invite you to join us for an Easter prayer. Um, if you would please pray with me. When everything was dark and it seemed the sun would never shine again, your love broke through. Your love was too strong, too wide, too deep for death to hold. The sparks cast by your love dance and spread and burst forth with resurrection light. Gracious God, we praise you for the light of new life made possible through Jesus. We praise you for the light of new life that shone on the first witness of resurrection. We praise you for the light of new life that continues to shine in our hearts today. We pray that the Easter light of life, hope, and joy will live in us each day, and that we will be bearers of light into the lives of others. We now lift our voices together as we pray the prayer Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <laughs>